You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good being with you guys. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. We're in 1 Corinthians, one of the greatest sections of Scripture about love and relationships, probably in all of world literature, is where we're going to be looking at this morning. So good being with you guys. Uh, This is a message series that's really based on research from Google, uh, figuring out what people are actually Googling about faith and family in relationship uh, to uh, kind of the top searches in about a 10-mile radius from the church. And so this morning, what we're going to be looking at is about God's love um, and relationships. And so A couple of things I want to point out before we get going this morning. The first thing that I want to just lay down the the foundation, the love that we're talking about, the Greek word is called agape. Everybody say agape. It's a Greek word, and it really means this. It means to love or to regard with affection of loving concern. It's a deep, deep love that uh, we're going to see. Really, the first thing is is this, is that God is the source of love and the essence of love. So when we talk about love today, we're talking about really all of it is derived from and comes from our king and creator. And this love is what strengthens and sustains all relationships. It is foundational for every relationship that you have, your family, your friends, the people at work, everybody around, this kind of love is that. Lastly, I want to point out as we get going today is that Christians, as Christians, we must love people. We've all got to love people. The greatest commandment in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, We don't have to love people's perspectives or their practices, but we absolutely have to learn how to love people. So today, as we get going, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. So if you've got a Bible, you can open it up, and I want to read to you this section of scripture. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The context in which we're looking at this passage of Scripture is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And the Greek culture in the first century was more of an esoteric kind of uh, mindset. They believed that ever there was, uh, they believed that there was a kind of a secret specialized knowledge. And so the idea of love in the first century commonly speaking, was the idea it was more philosophical, it wasn't practical. The Apostle Paul describes not just the idea of love, what he's doing here is he's actually describing how love behaves, how love works. Not just the idea or the feeling or the thought of love, but the Apostle Paul, the way we see it in Scripture here, this is how love behaves. This is how love works. This is what love looks like. This is the kind of what, what love should look like in the context of every single relationship that we have. This uh, passage has been used uh, widely. It's, uh, people think, oh, well, this is the perfect prescription for marriage or parenting or family. 
the, the idea that the Apostle Paul pushes here is that love, while it does encompass those things, it's broader than that. It's for all people. And so he's writing to a group of conflicted Christians within the church that are having a very difficult time. It's not a harmonious group of people that are in harmony or in unity with one, one another. There's actually disharmony. So love here in the context that we're going to be looking at is not in the presence of harmony, but rather the absence of it. So being patient, being kind, all that, when you think about that, expressing your love through this, what you're going to see here today, it's not in the context of a great family relationship. Actually, what Paul's pushing at is a very dysfunctional family. You're still patient. You're still kind. So this is going to challenge us all. What is, what is love? What love doesn't look like in relationships? Let's start there. I've made a list there on your program. You can see. But the first thing is, is I'm going backwards here in, in some ways. But love is not expressed in envy. It's not jealous, is with the idea. It's, it, it, envy breeds discontentment and resentment. It robs us from being able to enjoy others' success. Envy is something that we can do and we can become pretty discontent when we're scrolling through Facebook, we're look, watching HGTV, whatever it is, or you see your neighbors or the things that are people at church and the, whatever in your workplace. Envy is a sense of jealousy, and really what that does is this is a very loveless attitude and perspective to have. What the Bible is telling us is that love doesn't look like this. This is not how love behaves. You are being unloving when you're being jealous. Love is not expressed in boasting. The word for boasting literally means windbag. It means the idea that you're puffed up, and actually windbag is the idea that is kind of a person who talks a lot about himself and is kind of a boring person. A boasting person is a hot shot or a big shot, a big head, kind of likes to show off or be a showboat. Boasting is a, a form that shows that when you were boasting, we're not being loving. When we're being boasting, we're actually being a little bit arrogant. The next is love is not expressed in arrogance. This is kind of the driving motivation behind boasting. Behind the boasting is the arrogance. And the Bible tells us is that God actually opposes the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. When we're being arrogant in, towards anybody or anyone, we're not being loving. As I'm walking through this list, I want you to think about maybe this list encircled the ones that is kind of your habit or landmine which you fall into. Arrogance is one of the easiest for any Christian that's been a Christian for some time to take pride in a sense of uh, uh, joy in their accomplishments. The idea of arrogance is to be proud or puffed up. It's to have an overestimated assessment of self. Arrogance is that. You kind of think too much of yourself. As an early Christian, I thought to myself, I used to say this because I'd done life so wrong for so many years, and then I became a Christian, and I had this phrase that I used to say to other people that I was discipling and mentoring. I'd say, the only state before God to have is a desperate state before God. And it kind of, I, I was trying to express the importance of humility as a Christian, the importance of dependence, the importance of 
being incredibly meek and mild towards God. But then as I grew in my faith and stronger in my accomplishments and my achievements, I looked back on that phrase and I thought, no, that's a little too weak and mild. And then as I grew even older in in the years, I realized, you know what? No, that's absolutely right. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we act arrogant towards anybody, that's not showing love. When we act, uh, when we like to name drop or we do these kind of things to kind of brag upon ourselves indirectly or directly, it's not a loving thing. It actually makes people feel little. Um, when we look at relationships, what we're looking at right now are the things that don't show love in your life. Love is not expressed as being rude, the Apostle Paul says. Being rude is inconsiderate, insensitive, impolite, insulting. I had a family, I had a rude relative. Anybody got a rude relative? Would raise your hand. Yep. Some of you might be that rude relative. Uh, I remember, I'm not going to name names of who this relative is, but this is what they would say. They were really rude, a lot. We'd go to a family function, and they would just say something so insulting, so rude, so off the cuff, so incalculated, not estimated, no regard for the impact that this word's about to have. They would say the word, and then somebody would just say, that's it, and they'd walk out. And then this rude relative would say, I just tell it like it is. I just tell it like it is. And the more courageous family members would say, no, you don't. You're just rude. Being rude, there's no place for rudeness in the Christian life. Uh, Being rude is is not a cop-out to just say, you just speak your mind. You just tell it like it is. Being rude is rude. Rude is something that is insulting and offensive, not only to people, but it is to God. Because God cares about every single one of his kids. And he doesn't want anybody picking on anybody else. And you never know when you're being rude just how much that hurts the other person. It can really hurt the other person. You have no idea sometimes what people are going through. Calculating your words. Love is not expressed in being rude. Love is not expressed by insisting on getting one's own way. This is just simply selfishness. Being selfish. Love is not expressed in being irritable. How many of you would say, I struggle with irritability? Raise your hand. Most of you won't raise your hand, but let's try that again. How many of you struggle with being irritable? There you go. Okay, now here's the good news. The good news is there's God's grace. The good news is, is that we have new mercies every single day, that God is good. But I want to tell you something right now, what's really challenging, the bad news is, is When Paul says love is not expressed in being irritable, he's not talking about a wonderful, loving church family, and you get annoyed by somebody that's just a little off or a little annoying. These are terrible people. And he's saying love's not expressed in being irritable, easily angered, grouchy, cranky, easily angered. I heard somebody say, well, I I blow up, yeah, and it's over in a minute. And I think to myself, yeah, but so is the atomic bomb. Just within a minute, it's dropped, and it's incredible devastation. Irritability is not a loving manner. If you're irritable all the time, that's unloving. Are you an unloving person or more a loving person? 
the truth and the honesty is there are days aren't, aren't there for all of us where we're more unloving than loving. That's why we need the grace of God in our lives. You can act unloving and loving on any single day of the week. Some way, some form, some fashion of some sort. But you always need to know your irritability is never a cop-out for the other person just to say, well, you're just annoying, so therefore I'm irritable. Or this is just a problem, and so therefore I'm irritable and easily cranky and easily, we like to say at our house, Mr. and Mrs. Cranky Pants from time to time. But there's never, there's never, that's not a loving gesture. That's not a loving kindness. That doesn't develop and help relationships in the family or in the workplace at all. Irritable people are actually isolating people. They don't want to, you don't want to be around irritable people. That's called being around somebody on, when you feel like you're always on thin ice because the person is so irritable. Really what's going on is irritability to me, as I understand it, it's a lack of self-management of emotion. It's a lack of restraint and, and discipline to process frustration and anger. Love is not expressed in being resentful. It keeps no record of wrong. I heard about somebody who kept a long list of all the terrible things that somebody had done. I mean, they would just kind of take note mental notes of all the things that somebody had offended them and they would keep a journal of it. That person was the most miserable person I'd ever met. Uh, That's an unhealthy mindset and mannerism to keep records of wrongs. Bible tells us is that love's not expressed in being resentful. It's an important idea. I remember we were talking about this not too long ago in my household about something that happened. There was kind of a blow up in, in in a friendship group. My wife asked me, well, whatever happened? And I remember I said to her, I said, I forgot. She said, how could you forget? And I said, I think I remember distinctly trying to forget what happened. Because it does the body good, it does the mind good when we don't try to keep records of wrong. How many of you have been in a fight before with your spouse? And then when, the, when the, you're dialoguing or having your heated discussion, it comes into this, kind of like history lesson. Well, you always do this, and remember when you did that. That is detrimental. That is unloving. The way God looks at it is that when he, he sees all the wrongs, he takes them, he crumbles up the paper, lights it on fire, and throws it away. It's the same kind of love. The Bible says that he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. What God does, although he's omniscient, is he chooses to forget. He chooses to let it go, to cancel the debt, to let it go. Love is not expressed in being resentful, holding grudges, being bitter. Love is not expressed in rejoicing at wrongdoing. That's being happy when someone else is hurt. Ha, 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 I'm glad they got it, stuck it to them. They needed a payback. That's just, just evil is what that is. That's, that's not godly. That's ungodly. Love is not expressed in that. So here's what I want you to do. How about you take your pen or your pencil right now and you circle one or two of those on the list. Some of you might be circling three or four. Some of you might be nudging the other one and go, keep circling, keep circling. And then what I want you to do today when we go to communion, 
and we confess to the Lord just privately, we just say, Lord, thank you that you do forgive me for that. Help me to be more loving. I want to show the same kind of love that you're showing me. So what is love? What does love look like? This is about not an, an esoteric idea or philosophical concept that the Apostle Paul is pushing at. Rather, it is a behavioral description of what a loving person actually looks like, what the relationship of love looks like. Love is patient. How many of you would say you struggle with patience? Just raise your hand. Come on. All right, let's do it again. How many of you actually struggle with patience? There you go. A lot of you. Amen. Me too. I can be a very impatient person. So here's the cop-out. Oh, well, I'm just fast-paced. I just think quick. I can finish people's sentences before they can. That's how, when I'm in a conversation, sometimes I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay. And my wife's like, that was rude. And I'm like, you're right. I'm impatient. Patience is demonstrating love. When I was a kid, my mom used to, I told you before, we, had, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I always had holes in my jeans. I wore a Rustlers and Wranglers all the time. And, you know, to tear up a pair of Wranglers is a pretty big deal. And she would get patches, and she'd iron on these huge, terrible-looking patches. I mean, you, you iron them on, and it's like there's like a piece of cardboard stuck in your leg when you're walking around. Everybody saw that Ryan had patches. I feel like patches, patches are like patience. They kind of hold things together. They stick right in the hole and the problem, and they kind of hold things together. Patience is a wonderful thing. Patience shows an incredible amount of love. But let me clarify to you, patience is not here in suffering. This kind of patience that the Apostle Paul is talking about, it's not about patience in your problem. It's not about patience in your pain. It's about patience with people. We're not talking about some philosophical idea to be patient. We're talking about a practical reality. The Apostle Paul is saying, the church, Christians, hey, you've got to be patient. Aristotle, the first century, within the, that, that, that philosophical idea of patience, Aristotle kind of perpetuated this idea that patience was not at all a virtue. It was a sign of weakness. Rather, Aristotle kind of taught the idea that to, to be quick on your feet and to retaliate and to insult somebody once they've insulted you and to pay them back was a virtue. The Apostle Paul is pushing completely countercultural and saying, no, 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 no. That's not a virtue at all. That's an offensive sin against God and his people. Patience is a virtue. Patience is like uh, our Heavenly Father demonstrates. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that God is patient, uh, e even in returning, because he doesn't want anybody to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Our Heavenly Father is patient with us. Love is kind. What does it mean to be kind? Does it mean to be a sweet person or just a gentle, friendly disposition? No, that's not the kind of kindness I'm talking about. That's not the kind of kindness the Apostle Paul's talking about. The kind of kindness that he's talking about here is actually useful. It's the kind of usefulness that means that when somebody hurts you, you choose to help them even though they're 
hurting you. You might have a family member or a friend that is hurtful. The kind of kindness that the Apostle Paul's talking about here is not that you're a doormat or you're some sweet little person or you're really a friendly disposition to everybody. That's not the kindness. He's talking about a usefulness that in the midst of a conflict, you can be so elevated in your thinking and kindness that you say, I'm going to do whatever's helpful in this situation. That's kindness. Ephesians 4.32 talks about the kindness that Christ demonstrates and that we're to demonstrate to others. Christ demonstrated kindness even when we were unkind. Being patient and kind, is that you? Are you a loving person like that? Do you struggle tremendously with patience and kindness? Then it would mean this, is that you need to work on being more loving in your life. Let me tell you something. I said it earlier. Love sustains and strengthens every single relationship in the world. Love does. The source of love is God himself. As we walk through the list, we, we can read this. We can replace the word with love with God. God is patient. God is kind. Amen? His kindness is overwhelming. Thirdly, we see love rejoices with the truth. God rejoices with the truth. He loves it when we follow truth and live by truth. This is kind of a broad statement. What does it mean that love rejoices with the truth? Love doesn't flatter. It's, it's honest. It doesn't lie. But this truth is not a theological truth. This truth is, is not some kind of uh, philosophical truth. This truth is a truth about people. You believe the truth for people. You believe they're telling the truth. You're not overly suspicious Love rejoices with the truth. You're constantly thinking about telling the truth and being truthful and believing people are telling the truth when they're speaking. Just yesterday, we had, uh, uh, we've been selling a bunch of stuff after we did this message series. I don't remember which one it was, but it talked about the importance of just kind of cleaning things out, you know. not being materialistic and all that stuff. So we're selling this aquarium, and we got this aquarium at my house, and we're on, we put it on Craigslist, and a, a young college girl shows up yesterday in my garage, and her dad, and dad shows up and says, hey, we're buying stuff for my daughter. We just moved into town. And my daughter, my daughter Riley, and I, we've, uh, we've had this aquarium, a really big aquarium, and we sold it as an aquarium. But little did we know, at the bottom of the aquarium, there's this tag, and it says, do not fill with water. This is a critter cage. So the people are showing up, and Riley and Leslie and I are kind of panicking, like, oh, snap, they're coming all the way probably from surprise, and they're going to show up, and what do we do? What do we do? And I was just like, and I mean, I have to tell you, a dishonest moment. Riley and I are in the garage, and we're like, maybe we can just tear that tag off, and we're like, trying to tear it off for a second. And then I stop and I say, right, 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 right. We can't. And here's why we were trying to tear it off. We filled this thing up, right, with water. And we ran it like a fish tank for like five months. So, okay, okay. So this thing worked. But this little tag's a liar's problem. <laughs> and and so, so we're trying to tear the tag off. And then the people are about to show up. And, I, you know, dad... 
and I'm thinking, dang, I hate, I always preach, and then I got to figure out what I'm preaching, and I got to think about it. <laughs> Rejoices in the truth. This is a lie, 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 lie. So I say, sweetie, sweetie, we can't, we can't, we can't do this. And she says, what are you going to do? I said, as soon as they get here, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm sorry, big mistake. This thing's a critter cage. It's not an aquarium. So if you want it, you can have it. We use it that. So we say that, and the person says, they have all the money out. They got all the cash out. And they're like, no, no, thank you. No way, no way. They walk away, get in the car. And then my daughter says to me after we're done, Dad, it's always best to tell the truth, isn't it? I said, it's always best to tell the truth. As, a, as the Rice family, we got to tell the truth. We rejoice in telling the truth, because the last thing we would want is for this young girl to get back home, get her little aquarium out, and find out it's a critter cage. Love rejoices in the truth. It tells the truth. It doesn't flatter. It doesn't lie. Love bears all things. It carries the load is what that means. Galatians 6.2, that we're to carry one another's weight, their burdens. We love people, and we help them. Here's what I'd like to help you guys understand, and you gals that are pretty tough. I think loving people are like pickup trucks. You can load them up, and they carry the weight and they're actually roll smoother. Growing up, I had a three-quarter ton pickup truck, and that was a terrible, bumpy, rough ride. But until you loaded that thing up, it was like driving a Cadillac. Boom. Loving people are like pickup trucks. You load them down, they get other people's problems, and they just roll smooth through life. Loving people is a big deal. Love bears all things. That's what that means. It carries the load. Galatians 6.2, cross-reference. Number five, love bears all, believes all things. This doesn't mean that you believe in the Loch Ness Monster, believe in Bigfoot, believe in the UFOs, believe in whatever else. It means that you actually believe in the best for people. This doesn't mean... Um, this doesn't mean that you believe in everything you hear. This just means that you believe in the best for people. You're not overly suspicious. You believe in people. You believe in the good of people. This isn't a believing all things for circumstances. This is a believing for people. That you have a, a hope for humanity. That you believe, you know what, God can still work in my friend's life. God can still work and my family member. Love believes all things. I remember a time when I was going through a really difficult season and crossroads in my uh, ministry early on. And Leslie came around my side and I wanted to quit. And she said, I believe in you. Sometimes there's going to be people in your life where other people don't believe in these people. And God wants to use you to be a beacon of hope and belief. Sometimes you're going to meet people, they've given up all hope and all belief, not only because their friends have abandoned them or their coworkers or colleagues, but they've even given up on themselves. And you need to be that person who stands in the gap and says, I believe in you. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Martin Luther King said this, we must accept finite disappointments, but never lose infinite hope. The hope that we're talking about here is the divine hope. That as long as we're breathing, as long as uh, 
humans are walking the earth, that there is a God, a creator, a sustainer, who can redeem, who can rescue, who can restore, who can forgive, who can help, who can heal. Love hopes all things. I would say for me, I'm a hopelessly optimistic person at times. I always want to believe in the best. I always think, you know what, I don't know how it's going to work out, but God is good and he's always been good. God is faithful and I hope for the best. I hope for God's going to work in people's life. Lastly, love endures all things. I like this one. What this means is that you can't kill it. This is the crescendo of the love list. What this means is that love is ever enduring. It's a military term. The word endure is a military term and it means to sustain as a soldier in a violent battle. This is a strong word. Love endures is a sense of even in the fierce of attack, even in the, even in the midst of persecution or hardship from people that love endures. Like a soldier standing strong, being assaulted, attacked, love endures. Do you see the strength in this description? Do you see the, this is not a, 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 a ushy-gushy description of love. This isn't some philosophical mindset. This is practical, real-life love expressing itself in behavior. Love endures. When you have that kind of mindset in your family, no matter how disgruntled or dysfunctional or discouraged you may be, you have love that endures. So how do you get that love? Here's what I want you to think about. Last thought is this, is that God is love. Think about it. Love people, love people. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's look at that list. That list is love is patient, love is kind. You replace that word with love with God, and that is God. God's characters, his attributes. This is, at the same time, while it is a description of behavioral love, it is also a description of Christ. Christ is patient. Christ is kind. Christ bears all things. Christ hopes all things, endures all things. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to go into a time of communion. In that list, you see the list of being unloving and you see the list of being loving. And I want you in this time just to take some time by yourself, reflect on some of the truths of Scripture as they come up on the screens. And as you're ready to take communion, you can take it as you're ready. Communion is an opportunity for us today to remember about how God's great love for us as his children, all those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you are my heavenly father. The price has been paid through Christ. I'm adopted into your family. And so as, as you receive communion today, I want you to just go to the Lord and remember Love people will love people. Hurt people will hurt people. But you have love through the relationship of Jesus Christ today. So pray that you might receive that love in a greater magnitude and pray that you might be able to turn from your sinfulness in the area of being unloving and ask him to renew, restore, and refresh you. Amen? Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for today and the time together in your word. I pray that as we go through this time of reflecting and remembering your great love for us in communion, that we would worship you, that we would receive your great love. Might it fall on us like a waterfall, Lord, into new areas of heart of our heart, Lord, that maybe have been uh, untouched or undiscovered. And we pray, God, that you would invade those spaces now, minister through the power of your Holy Spirit, and be refreshed and renewed as we turn away from sin and turn towards you and experience that great love so that we might extend it. That we might find your love and then give love to others. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.